back uh, this past Tuesday morning, and she has been there taking care of her, and uh, I've been there taking care of my great-grandson. <laughs> no, I've been doing a lot of other little things, too. And, uh, but we are, she would want me to greet you and tell you that she loves you, she appreciates you, and uh, we appreciate you and the goodness of God. Yeah, has God been good to you this morning? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I can sense such a sweetness of God's presence here. He's been here since the first song, even when we were coming into the sanctuary. I, there's a scripture that I'm going to read to you, and it's a scripture that is probably being read quite often by pastors in the pulpit. I'm speaking to you a little bit about seeing through the maze, and this is something the Lord laid on my heart to encourage you and, and to hopefully bless you. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. And not only is it good to see you here in the house of God, it's wonderful to have our friends and members of the church uh, through our cameras today, and uh, we're just so happy to have every one of you. If you'll turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, I've just read this verse, and uh, it almost looks like a mirror if you look at it closely. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Uh, notice that, children, that's listed with all of that. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, when I was reading that, you would think that we're talking about the world, and indirectly, I think we are. But it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And that's from 1 Corinthians, another verse you can read about that, that chapter 5, 10, and 11, you can look at it later. But having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And that's talking about people who claim to be Christian, a believer, but are living lifestyles like was listed here in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. And so the Lord says, if a person names himself to be a Christian, but they're not living the life that they should be living, and it's pretty obvious, do not fellowship with that person. And that is something that is a sober thought, but we can read it again in 1 Corinthians 5, 10, and 11, because a person who claims to be a believer and a sinner who is in the worst of sinning, the Lord is more concerned about the hypocrite in the church than he is the unbeliever affecting the church because we read about the leaven of the loaf. Now, what I'm 
getting to today is we are living in a vital and extraordinary time in our history. We are in a spiritual warfare. Is there anyone that doubts that? We are in a spiritual warfare of Ephesians 6 and 11. And we must fight. Yes, we must fight the fight of faith and realize the wiles of Satan. That word wiles or devices comes from a word that means devious or cunning stratagems employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what they want them to do. These are the methods of Satan. We need a North Star as well as a determination and faith that cannot be swayed by confusing messages even from the church and from our community. It is very important that we understand today, yes, we are in a warfare, but keep this in the back of your mind. Where sin doth abound, my grace does much more abound. No matter how wicked the world may become, I want you to know that God is ahead of it, and God has given you the victory and the power over it. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. God is a good God. Where sin doth abound, His grace doth much more abound. It was beautiful today to have our young people in participating in our service because I'm very concerned, and as I was preparing this message, I'm concerned for young people trying to navigate this society. Just one example. I always thought God decided your gender as you were wonderfully made, and I still do. Psalm 139 and 14 says, I will give thanks unto thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Simple things, at least they used to be simple in my day. But simple things are not simple anymore. I read an article that was entitled, 15 Gender Identity Terms You Need to Know to Build an Exclusive Workplace. It was written by Samantha McLaren and just last year. There now are 15 gender identity terms. Gender identity is one, she said. Gender expression. Sexual orientation, queer, cisgender, non-binary, which means it's no longer two, transgender, gender non-conforming is another one, gender fluid, that means it flows, it changes, gender transition, and on and on it goes, and the, there are boys in Girl Scouts that are now cutting them out of scholarships because they're boys that are running the races with girls who feel like a girl. Boys have more muscle mass. We know that. 
than girls. How many know there is a difference? It is stated because there are more than two genders, gender is a spectrum, a range is what they mean, not binary, which means involving two. Really? Reading the article, I discovered we are what we feel we are, not what we really are. One day, I may feel, one may feel like a girl when I'm a boy, and I can go into the girls' locker room according to the new executive order from Mr. Biden. Someone said, John F. K. sent a man to the moon. President Biden sent one to the girls' bathroom. But hear what God's Word says about you. I'm glad God is God, and no one can take him down. The psalmist wrote in 139, 13 through 16, For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to the person next to you, especially if you're a teenager, and say, You are wonderful. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when it was yet there was none of them. Before you ever came, God had your life figured out. He knew every day, every moment, every hair upon your head. You are made with purpose. You are made in the image of God. Amen. In such a world full of misinformation, fake media, teachers, and insane professors in academia, we need to have a strong foundation and to be filled with the Spirit of God to discern our times because the perilous days are here. But we are still victorious in Jesus Christ and somebody giving praise. Hallelujah. What I felt in my being is that it is time to take the word seriously. Now I know, I know. I know that there is a trend today to make everything simple and short. But I don't believe we need to do that to ourselves when it comes hiding the Word of God in our heart that we might not sin against God. What does that mean? I memorize the Word. I study it. I meditate upon it. I do it over and over and over where I can quote it from my spirit. I meditate there, Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. 
With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget thy word. We need to get back to seriously studying the word of God. Meditate upon it. That's what God told Joshua. Meditate on my word day and night that thou mightest do all that is written therein. Then thou shalt prosper and have good success. Psalm 119.41, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. I trust in your word. Things may happen to you that you may not completely understand. How many knows that that can happen? There's a lot of questions that may come to you. But the Word of God will give you an answer and a clear picture. You will know God even when you don't understand what's happening, what God is allowing and what is going on at that time? Your faith, and listen carefully, your faith or faithlessness does not change God. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What I'm saying, if you mess up, if you become weak, if you have doubts, our God that we serve will never change no matter what. You can still go to him, but know that he's already working in your life even when you can't see it, and he promised he would take care of you, and he will keep that promise. God has been faithful to Israel because God made a promise to Abraham. He keeps his word. Even when Israel was unfaithful, God disciplined her, but he never stopped loving her. He never gave up on her. And the same thing is true to us today. Now, there are some critics, of course. There are some people who feel called to be a, to be a critic. But there's some criticism that I want to address briefly. A regular criticism of God is if God is a God of love, why does he allow tragedy and pain? What they are saying, why isn't it now heaven on earth even though I'm living in sin? So I can criticize the holy God because he is God, but they do not understand the plan of God, and they do not understand. Now, this may surprise you. It may not. But God has used even the devil himself. God has used kings like Cyrus, like Belshazzar, and many others, 
and they have are bad people and, and so forth, and they have a lot of sin and debauchery in their life, but God can even use sinners. And if he can use sinners, why can't you believe he can use you? That's another message that just hit me. Upon the death of his wife, even C.S. Lewis, and you've heard his name quite a bit because a lot of us quote him, a wonderful man, a wonderful scholar of the Scripture and communicator. C.S. Lewis wrote, Meanwhile, where is God? And this was when his wife passed away. And it hit him very hard. And he's asking that question. Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms, he said. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain, and what do you find? He went on to say, and you don't get this quoted much, but a door slammed in your face. And a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. That's from a, a grief observed. Bandom Books, 1961, page 4. Fortunately, see that shows you even the great scholars are human. Even like Elijah who, who ran 20 miles and then doubted himself after God gave him a great victory on Mount Carmel, he was still human. You will have your blue days. You will have your days when things will not make sense. But fortunately, Lewis came to grips with his grief, and in the end he realized that God not only exists, but that he is indeed all-loving in spite of our sufferings. So we can understand people questioning God's love and faithfulness. There's another article I want to share with you briefly. Why is there pain and suffering? It's entitled by Jason Malik. To answer that, we must first ask, would a good God eliminate pain and suffering? C.S. Lewis addressed this in, in a very question in his book, The Problem of Pain. Now listen to what he says. In it, he argues that humanity desires not so much good, a good God that we've been saying today, but they desire a kind God. Kindness cares not whether its object becomes good or bad, provided only that it escapes suffering. We want not so much a father, but a grandfather in heaven. Jason Malik wrote this. In my own life, I'd seen this principle at work. When my eldest daughter was nine weeks old, she was diagnosed with a, diagnosed with a rare lung disease, which required immediately sur immediate surgery to remove the defective lung. In preparation for the surgery, the doctors requested an MRI 
which would enable them to operate effectively. As you can imagine, a nine-week-old baby isn't going to respond to instructions to lie still during a 20-minute scan. So I had to stand over her, pressing her shoulders into a cold, hard metal table while the machine did its noisy work. It was a painful 20 minutes. And I could only imagine the thoughts going on through Casey's little mind. Dad, why are you doing this? You're hurting me. Please stop. But if I obeyed the look in her eyes and the message they sent, if I relieved her of the temporary pain I was causing her, she would have died within days. I knew more than Casey did about her circumstances and truly desired truly good things for her, not just temporary relief or pleasure. If God knows more about our circumstances than we do and desires good things for us, perhaps he also uses painful circumstances to better ends than we can see or even imagine. God is your Father. And I know sometimes, and I've been to those places in hospitals when I'm standing by a bed of a son or a daughter of a parent, and they're wanting God to do a miracle and take away the sickness and the pain. But I also know there is temporary relief. But I knew that sometimes that loved one did not know Jesus. And they just wanted the pain to leave, the parent did. But God was trying to get through to their daughter or son. And even if it meant to take them to the end of their life, it's more important that they go into eternity knowing God than it is for them to have temporary relief. Oh, I feel his presence. Another criticism is if God is God, then why is life not fair? If God's unfair, what are some answers people give? Well, if you go to Job, she gives you a very simple answer. If God's not fair, then there is no God. So Job, curse God and die. One says, well, God is loving, but he's weak. The famous atheist, Eli Wessel, who was thrown to atheism from his own experience in a Nazi concentration camp, says to Kruzner, why doesn't your weak God resign and let someone more competent take his place? Another one would say, in the end, it all balances out. Hinduism teaches in its doctrine of karma that it may take up to 6.8 million incarnations to arrive at perfection, to realize perfect justice. When that balanced karma is reached, everyone receives just the right amount of pleasure and pain there has to be a better answer than to wait around for a 6.8 million incarnation but what we say today 
Life is not fair, but God is good. He's good in ways you don't even know. He plans your steps. He guards evil from destroying you and wiping you out. I know time after time, my God saved my life. I don't have time to go through the whole scenario, but when I was born, I was born with a disease that I was not to live. And then after I survived, then they said, well, he'll, he'll never be able to go to school and learn anything. But I did. I went to school, and I did learn, and I was able to learn. Then they said he won't be able to walk, but then they prayed for me, and I walked. Time after time, God spared my life from drownings, two of them. I was run over by a car when I was four years old, but God kept me safe in the palm of his hand. There's been bad surgeries and so forth and so on that I should have died, but the hand of God was upon me, and I'm only alive today because of him. God is a good God. Even when life is not fair, Every one of us here today ought to be thankful that God is not fair in the sense the world talks about. I would mention three things quickly for which we should rejoice that we serve an unfair God. First of all, our God faithfully seeks us. Jeremiah, I love 29, but I love verse 13 too. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But notice what God says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity and restore you and lift you up, and, and then you will perform and live the life that I want you to live. But God says, here, seek me, but I want you to know, it's almost like what we do with an Easter hunt with little babies and little children. And, and you'll have different age groups. And then you'll have the smallest one. You don't hide them real, real hard because they, they don't know how to find them. But because you love that little one, you're going to put the eggs in obvious places so they'll have the joy of finding their egg. And that's the sense of what God is saying here. He says, you seek me and you search for me, but I'm going to make sure that I put myself where you will find me because it's not you seeking me, it's me seeking you. I am the Lord your God. I found you when you were lost and I done but then I came to you and I lifted you up and I'm all the time around you over you beside you beneath you I will take care of you because I am a good God oh I go ahead and give him a praise hallelujah hallelujah so the question who went in search for who you will seek me when you find me. I will be found by you. Let me ask you this question. Who went in search of whom? In the parable of the vineyard and the workers in Matthew 20, we are told that God went looking for laborers. Time and time again, he went out imploring others to join him in his task and his mission. We did not find Jesus. He found us. 
You were lost. He came and got you in your, in your lostness. And then he led you in the foundness. He did and does all the work. And, re- and we reap all of the benefits. Do you know that what the Bible is a record of? It's a record of God reaching out to touch mankind. It's not a book where God people find this book and search and search and just have a history lesson. But no, no, it's God. He inspired His Word to reach through the most calloused heart and touch a person and bring deliverance to them. It is a record of God reaching out to touch you and your family. It is not a record of man trying to find God. From Abraham to Jesus, this is true. God came to Abraham, not Abraham who came to Jesus. I want you to see Jesus came into the world, not the other way around. We didn't go to heaven to find him. He came here to find us. Boy, I feel God. God knew we needed a Messiah, a perfect sacrifice in due time. God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Here's another question. Why do you love God? 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. He loved you before you ever loved him. He died for you before you even knew his name. He went to the cross and bore it all for us that we could have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. God, would you just give him a praise offering right now and just love him and just love him? You see, a fair God would treat everyone the same. God knows that we're different. We're different people. We respond to God at different times, in different circumstances, in different ways. He's a personal God. He treats you as an individual. You may have a whole shelf full of hats at home that says one size fits all. But I want to tell you, when when it comes to God, when it comes to Him, He is particular. He knows what you need even before you know what you need. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever because he's my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's mine. He deals with me the way he needs to deal with me. He doesn't deal with us equally. He deals with us as individuals. How many are glad that you're not just a mob to God, but you are an individual, that he has numbered the hair on your head. He knows the breath inside of you. He knows every thought you think. He knows every step you take because he's an individual, holy and good God. Hallelujah. Third, God redeems all who are willing. This is a big deal, friends, and I'm almost through. This is a big deal. I want you to see people like Jeffrey Dolmer and Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, you, you remember that. I don't know if you know that James Dobson went to see him a few deaths a few days before his execution. And he prayed 
James Dobson said, and accepted Jesus as a Savior. That's hard for us. That's difficult. That kind of grace offends us. We don't like that. We want them to suffer for what they did. We want them to suffer eternally in hell. And we're Christians. His grace is so amazing. Instead of focusing on the unfairness of Dalmer and And Ted Bundy, living next door to you in eternity. How about focusing on God's timing? Remember I said that he accepted Jesus a few weeks before he died. That is incredible timing. And if God's unfair, enough to let Jeffrey and Ted into heaven if they truly prayed and accepted Christ as their Savior, that grace has become offensive to us. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God loves the worst of the world. I, I was looking for background pictures for the presentation, and I, I was looking up about grace, the amazing grace of God. And I just took note, and if, I don't know why I do these things, but I just took note that everybody that was in the pictures with their hand raised, looked like good going to church people. I think they need some pictures with a big brute, with tattoos all over his body, with a beard and long hair, with a picture of amazing grace at the top. I'm amazed at God. Would you just sing that with me one time? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He saves people of color. 
fact, I believe in heaven it's going to be more people of color than people of less color. Multitudes from all nations standing on that sea of glass. Because the reason we're there was nothing that we did. He did it all, so if we have a crown, we'll cast it at his feet and give him all the glory and all the praise. Young people, set your eyes upon Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and its shame. You were that joy that was set before you. You may hear things. Revelation 6, 9 through 11 is difficult for Christians to understand. When it talks about those who have been martyred in white robes. And they were asking, Master, when are you going to avenge our death? That was during the tribulation. The Lord will speak back and say something hard to understand. They were told to rest a little longer until their co-workers, the other Christians, would be killed as they had been killed. We don't understand that stuff. Hebrews 11, I, I've been amazed by that chapter when it talks about all the Victorians of faith, how they overcame all kinds of obstacles. But then later on, in verse 33, after it talks about them conquering kingdoms, did what God approved, received what God had promised. They received it. They shut the mouths of lions, put out raging fires, and escaped death. They found strength when they were weak. They were powerful in battle and defeated other armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead, resurrections. But then it continues without hesitation in the same verse. Others, other believers were brutally tortured, but refused to be released. They wouldn't deny Jesus so that they might gain eternal life. Some were made fun of, whipped. Some were chained put in prison. Some were stoned to death. Some sawn in half and killed with swords. Some wore the skins of sheep and goats. Some were poor, abused, and mistreated. But the circumstance didn't change the faith. And it says later on in that chapter that these all had faith. Faith does not always deliver you from trial. But faith will always get you through trial when your faith is in Him, the good God. Remember what Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and I naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And he said this on the day he lost everything he owned. His children his home, his business, everything. 
The only thing he was left with was that wife who told him to curse God and die. But he said, blessed. He gives and he takes away and I don't always understand it. But my faith says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, Thank you. I have sensed your sweet, sweet presence in this place. My heart is burdened for the church. You're so good to us. You've been so good to this church. These people, they love you, God. And there's some of us that need to love you more and put you first in our lives and crucify the flesh and our own agendas and allow you to impress upon us your plan and your destiny. Father God, let us fight the fight of faith. Let us be able with the eyes of faith to look through the maze of this whole world. You will give us light. Thy word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. As your head are bowed, your heads are bowed, I I just feel led to ask. There might be somebody here that's been discouraged going through a difficult time. I know. I've been there too. In my life, I've had to fight off depression. Many things, many trials. But it wasn't my strength that got me through. It was His strength. If you're here and just every eye closed for just a moment, if, if you would say, Brother Price, I feel the presence of God here. I'm going through a storm. I need direction. Or I'm under peer pressure. Or I'm hearing the people of academia saying things that I've never heard before. And it's creating confusion in my own heart. If you just lift your hand and as I conclude this with this prayer, I would want to pray for you. God bless those hands that are already raised. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, God is speaking to me today because He's an individual God. He knows you. He doesn't treat us all exactly alike because we're not alike. We're different. And He loves diversity. God bless those hands. Would you, would you mind just praying with me one more time before Pastor Todd comes back? Father God, in Your name, those that are here and those that are watching, God, in the name of Jesus, Speak to them in a marvelous, wonderful way and let us have a desire to be the disciple of Christ, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, to meditate on your word, to read it every day and allow you to talk to us. And Reading the book of Proverbs, getting us direction and wisdom. You have the answers. You'll speak to us today. You'll speak through the Word. 
And you'll never go against that word. But you'll also speak to us in our spirit. In that still, small voice. Encourage them, I pray. Bring a miracle into their life. Heal them. Deliver them. Bring them out of the trouble that they're in. God, bring them through the fire of the furnace. You are a good God. You are a good God. You are the only true and living God. There is no other. We bless you in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Would you say amen? Would you give God a clap offering? And would you with me one more time as Pastor Todd is coming? Would you just sing that one more time, just a chorus? Sing it with us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Since the presence of the Lord here this morning. Hasn't it good to be in the house of God today? I tell you what. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much for the word that you shared with us today. It's been wonderful to be able to be and bask in God's presence today. We want you to know we love you very much. Keep in mind next Sunday, Culture Celebration Sunday, next Sunday. Please keep that in mind. We want you to know we love you so very much. God bless you. We're going to, well, I want to bless you one more time before we're dismissed, okay? Let us pray. God, I pray your blessings upon your people. Load them down with your blessings, oh God. Let your word serve as a lamp to their feet, a light to their path. Every single day of their lives, oh God, lead us in the path that you have for us to go. Anointing our eyes to set our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that we will not waver to the left or to the right and fall in the snares and pits that the enemy have laid for us by the wayside. And let all that we do, all that we say, all that we are, bring glory and honor to you, God Almighty. In Christ's name we pray and the church said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We love you. You are dismissed today.